Oh, this is Fam Electric Go Show. We have um, Vibe on the air. And uh, you guys are from Atlanta. And I have been doing a podcast where I talk to indie artists around the world for the last two years. And we're at 21,000 listeners worldwide right now. So wow. thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Great. We actually talked to Bathe or um, your uh, Bailey, um, your bass player, on her project a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's great to talk to you guys. Are, from your description, uh, you're an American pop band from Atlanta, Georgia. And you're, Tom is a, you're the lead vocalist, and Noah's on lead guitar, Bailey's on bass, and Ryan's on drums, right? Yeah, we got uh, we got me, I'm Tom, and then we got Bailey and Noah here too. Ryan couldn't be here tonight, but three of us are on the line. Uh, we'll be on the line this whole interview. Hi. Cool. Cool. Hi. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've been looking at your um, your Spotify singles, and you're working toward a, a 2020 album, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been recording an album all year um, with Damon Moon at Standard Electric in uh, Atlanta. And uh, we're getting pretty close to... Standard Electric. Yeah, Standard Electric. You said Phantom cool. Electric. I didn't say Phantom Electric. Yeah, well, that's, that's always good. You can always plug me up. I don't mind. Um. And, uh, uh, it's set to release in February 2020. Cool. So are these uh, three singles that are out there, Ocean Breeze, Dancing in the Rain, and Think of You, are they going to be on that album or are these like, separate from the album? Yeah, they're they're gonna be on the album. They're they're singles building up to it, so they're gonna be cool. part of the whole collection once that comes out. So that gives you like a feel for what the structure of the album is gonna be based on these three tracks. Um, yeah, um, uh, we this album kind of goes a lot of places. Um, we we try to keep it pretty radio with our singles, and uh, the the other songs on the album are gonna be a little bit more experimental. They're gonna dive a little bit into other places, a little deeper. But cool. yeah, but. All in all, um, this will generally be the sound of the album, yeah. So I always ask these questions. And so usually when I have like an individual person, I ask these questions. But since you're a group, you guys can feel, you know, who's going to answer which ones. But um, when did you first get into music? And everybody can kind of talk about that. Like what age? Um, yeah, I mean, we've we've all been doing music for, for at least a few years now. Um, I started off. In, in grade school playing saxophone and I just worked my way up to piano and, and started singing and, and kind of a few years ago I jumped into the whole trying to do a whole band type thing. Um, yeah. I know you talked to Bailey a little bit a couple weeks ago about how she started but I'll let her uh, read Yeah it. I mean um, I started basically when I was uh, 16 as far as like creating music. Um, yeah and uh, I'm 26 now, so I'm old. And <laughs> <laughs> not as old as me. I'm 51, so <laughs> I got you guys beat by that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of started as a little kid when my uncle left one of his house, and I stole it from him without him knowing it when I was like seven or eight. And then I didn't Good start. Job. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't start actually writing anything until I joined in with Vibe. It was always just trying to play covers and stuff like that. So it's been a whole new experience for me on that front. And and That's Ryan, cool. he's 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 yeah. not here right now, but um, mm -hmm. from what from what I know, he started playing drums through his church, and he's been doing it for almost a decade now. So, we all kind of come from different spots and how we how we started playing. So, how did you guys like meet? Because you're you're a band. I don't ask that question for individuals, uh, artists, but 
since you're a band, I usually do ask, like, how did you guys, like, link up and meet? Do you have that story? Oh, yeah, it's it's a story. Um, <laughs> uh, that all started last summer. Um, I was trying to put a band together, and I had been trying for, for a couple of years at the time, and uh, it just wasn't working out with anyone. And uh, we all met on this website called Bandmix, which uh, it essentially is, like, tinder for musicians where like you you build oh, a profile it. yeah it, it's i hadn't either my dad actually is the one who he just came across it and he's like hey you should do this and i was like what do you know dad and uh <laughs> i i said uh, we all built profiles and um i found noah uh our guitar player and uh shortly after i found bailey and then shortly after that we uh, we all found ryan so we all met on the same site uh through the same process and uh it's kind of funny how it all worked out. Did you guys have like a criteria when you were looking for people to play with? Did you like say, well, I want a certain style or a certain type of music genre? Or how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, with the way that band mix works is like you can set up a profile of what, you know, what music you're into and what instruments do you play? So okay. I looked for someone that kind of had the same tastes and styles and obviously played what I needed. Um, I found Noah first. And uh, we bonded pretty quickly over our musical taste and, and just how we got along. And uh, I, I had actually found Bailey a, a while back before I found anyone else. And I really liked her production style and I, I liked the music she was into. And she ghosted you. Yeah, she, she ghosted me for a little bit. <laughs> but but we, we, we finally got her. And uh, yeah, so we were a trio and Bailey actually started off on drums. And, uh, yeah, she told me that. Yeah, yeah, we were having we were having trouble finding um, a bassist, and we we knew Bailey knew how to play bass, so we asked her um, so graciously if she'd switch, and uh, without a doubt she did. And then I already knew, Ryan had actually approached me, and uh, I knew exactly when we needed a, a drummer. I was like, yeah, we need a we need we need to get Ryan. So we reached out to Ryan, and literally within minutes he replied saying yes. So. That's that's really cool because um, one of the things I was going to wonder about is like in terms of like your genres and uh, your influences, could you maybe describe like what what would you describe your your band's like primary genre and then who are your like your biggest influences musically? I, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, the this at least this upcoming album, our singles kind of fit can be boxed into one uh one style of music or at least a couple mm. but um our album will have a lot of different a lot of different styles um i think it's hard to categorize us into uh, one one specific genre well, but mm -hmm. if we could we we call ourselves in short if we don't have time to explain the whole thing we just say we're an indie rock band or an indie pop band like indie like alternative yeah i know that yeah yeah that babe yeah was she had her so pegged as like a dark pop but you don't want to peg yourself like dark, dark pop. You want to open it up to more to indie rock because you have a wider uh, range. Yeah, we have a lot of different sounds and textures and instruments going on. Um, so it, it all gets kind of different um, depending on what song you listen to. But we all have very different tastes in music. Um, I, came, I come from like a world of like pop uh, EDM. And uh, mm -hmm. I'll, let, I'll let the others explain kind of how, how they were um, brought up. I mean, when I was uh, 16, I first started making music. It was very, like, I think punk, punk, like, Paramore style. Um, mm -hmm. But slowly, I started getting more and more uh, pop, 
Like, I really like Lana Del Rey and Billie Eilish, but it's still not the type of pop that Tom likes. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's, um, but yeah, definitely more of like the dream pop, pop sort of stuff is what, what I'm into. So on the EDM, what, what artist would you mention on the EDM? Just so people maybe know. Um, when I, when I first started getting into EDM, um, well, I actually got into it a little bit in high school when I heard Dead Mouse, and uh, mm-hmm. I was really big on on that style, like that house music, like Dead Mouse, Tiesto, yeah. and yep. those those kind of artists. And then as I got older, um, kind of, I started listening to a lot of the Chainsmokers when they were in their prime. Um, listened to Zed for a while, and uh, just um, I started getting into those more pop friendly artists, yep. like those yep. radio friendly artists that. Um, you hear on the radio all the time, not necessarily um, the house music anymore. And that's kind of where the pop um, realm of that style got integrated into my, into my songwriting. So you uh, started moving toward more like writing actual songs because EDM is kind of like, it's like dance music that doesn't actually sometimes have song structure. So you're yeah. looking more toward like a pop artist that have song structure that actually you have, you know, not just a dance hit or an EDM or a trance but something that actually has, you know, like melody, structure, hook, you know, all that. Yeah, that was the kind of transition that, that I was making, especially when I started songwriting. I was listening to things with more structure and, and like you said, like just kind of more more structure, yeah. So as a keyboard player, what kind of setup do you have? Are you like using soft synths with MIDI controllers or hardware synths? Oh, no, I, I don't have the money to buy to buy hardware synths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I started <laughs> off uh, a few year, a few years ago. I started off with uh, I just started experimenting on GarageBand when I decided I wanted to write music, and I really didn't know what I was doing because that's when I was starting to learn piano too. Um, mm-hmm. Then, as I learned GarageBand more, I got familiar with piano because if you know piano, you can play it basically Every- any instrument on a on a, yeah. on a on a MIDI controller. Um, so yeah, I learned piano and I started experimenting with a lot of just a lot of different sounds and learning how to program drums and all that stuff. And uh, but yeah, no hardware since for me. I'd love to have them if we ever if we ever get big one day and have have money to for that in the budget. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah, go I'm crazy. A, yeah, I'm a big like keyboard guy. Like I got Modes and Rollins, but you know I got the age of over time I bought them. Yeah, um, just I came up like in the new wave era. Um, so like Roland D, you know D uh, Jupiter Eights and Juno Sixties and One Hundred Sixes, Mini Modes. Profit fires, that kind of thing. So I I don't use DAWs in my workflow. I do all hardware going into like um, digital recorders. But that's just a choice I made, just because it came up that way. Um, and I you know I bought the sense just because they have a character to them. Yeah, um, so, I keep it. It's, it's yeah, it's it's old school. It's cool. Yeah, but it's cool because like a lot of artists today, and I've talked to you know, DJs and hip hop artists, they don't have them either. Um, so. But, you know, there is a resurgence in the hardware, so it's kind of cool if you get to it. But, yeah, everybody does their art a different way. And the MIDI controllers can do everything that I do to a certain extent. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting. So when you go to a studio, do you use, um, like, the studio gear or you just uh, still use your MIDI controllers? Um, It's a healthy blend of of both. Um, The way we handle it with Damon is – Usually we'll have a, a pretty clear cut demo for him when we when we enter the studio, because um, we'll we'll usually in the cases we spent months working on this song, learning how to play it, 
adding little bits and pieces here and there. So when we finally bring the the demo to him, um, we have a lot of a stem. We have a lot of stems. Uh, we have mm-hmm. like a lot of different parts uh, for those of you listening who don't know what stems are. But like we have a lot of uh, like tracks already recorded through the MIDI for the process. For the, yeah, for the dig- digital audio workstation, you've got all your MIDI tracks, all your stems, right? Yeah. So anything that's like synthetically processed that we don't necessarily need to record, we'll just bounce it over to him. And uh, he'll use that exact file in his in his in his, uh, in his Pro Tools session, but um, the the way Dame works is he's such a genius and he's always thinking of melodies that we never would. So there's a healthy blend of of our stuff, of our synthetic sense, and there's a lot of his uh, of his uh, hardware in there too. Oh yeah, because the MIDI controls he could bring it into a profit, he could bring it into a you know a D50 or a DML, DX7 or whatever he happens to have. Yeah, because of that, you know, MIDI is <laughs> the genius of uh, Dave Smith from Profit and uh, from the, the the founder of Roland. They came up with MIDI um, back in the day. Those two guys, uh, the, the head of uh, Roland and Dave Smith, they actually designed MIDI, which was before MIDI, you couldn't do that. Every instrument had its own connection, had its own like proprietary connection. I kind of came up in that time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a big revelation. And then you could, oh, a Korg can talk to a Roland, a Roland can talk to a Yamaha, you can talk to a Moga. It was kind of a big deal. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, it's definitely, so, it's definitely interesting to look back at how everything came about and think about how easy everything is now. Yeah, that was a big challenge back in the day, you know, that you couldn't really talk to each other. You had you just put it into a mixer and record it like like hardware recorded into a task cam or into a like a reel to reel and yeah you, you had you had to play it <laughs> yeah but yeah no i i love experimenting with sounds like that and like i said like that's just kind of um that's that's how the people i listen to did it and and uh did greatly affected how i want to like make music and create and stuff um so i love experimenting with synths and, and all that stuff but um noah who we got who we got here that um he plays guitar and like his his process of writing is extremely different than mine and, and what he was into when when we got into this. So I'm gonna let him explain that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So as a guitar player, do you bring like demos, like audio demos of your guitar to the session? Oh yeah, you cut out for like, a little bit there. Well yeah, what I'm asking is like as a guitar player, do you like record songs like on tape or like on digital tape and then bring them to a session or do you work out your ideas as, as a full band? Uh, well, we kind of do a blend of that. So a lot of times what we'll be doing is we'll be down in the basement of our house just trying to come up with jams and stuff like that and working it out as we go. And as we get things finalized and stuff, we've got, yeah, the tools to – I've got a mic amp and stuff – or an amp mic that will plug into mm-hmm. our laptops and stuff, and we can record and track along with the MIDI tracks that Tom makes and stuff like that. And then we'll take those to the studio – and use them as scratch tracks when we record the real thing with his professional mics. But always using my my beautiful Fender Blues Deluxe amp, though. I love that thing. It's my baby. So Yeah, that's cool. So you can actually capture that into, like, a digital recorder? Yeah. Like Pro Tools or, you know, any of the logic or whatever you use? Yeah, I, I rarely ever use the, the simulated amps or the simulated pedals and stuff like that. It's usually always using my raw equipment, just ran straight in through a microphone. Yeah, that's like me and my Moog. I, I kind of have to do it that way myself. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, there's something about like acoustic instruments that like when you when you're like a bass player or a drummer or, or a guitar player, that's kind of like they're this age you can go into a workstation and you can simulate like everything. Right. And it's cool to actually have people who actually play. You know, I've actually talked to a lot of producers that actually don't play any physical instruments. Yeah. Um, but it's cool to actually talk to bands that actually have members that actually still play keyboards or basses or drums or guitars. Yeah. Because <laughs> like this the... age is kind of like a, this is a brand new age where the DJ and the hip hop artists, they don't do that a lot. Yeah. I mean, like when we go into the studio, we all, for the most part, record everything raw using our instruments in our hands and with our live equipment and stuff like that. Like I use, I'll bring two or three of my guitars from home so I can get the different tones out of the different guitars for different parts, uh, run mm-hmm. through my amp, Ryan will bring his own cymbals from home and stuff like that. And we'll use a drum set that Damon's got inside as a studio. That's all mic'd up. And then Bailey will play her live bass and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes through uh, direct DI and sometimes through pedals and through a bass amp. So everything we do is always done with our hands. It's very rare that we do any fake instrumentation. Yeah. It's interesting because like the, like when you guys go to play, have you found that like, because this is the age of like hip hop and DJs and producers that just bring a laptop and a pioneer CDJ or something. Do you find it that those type of artists are kind of taking over the scenes or you still find in places that want like live bands? I I think we, we have a fairly easy time finding venues and stuff in Atlanta that want the real live music and stuff like that. We play a lot of regular shows at Smith's old bar. But we also play at like five two nine and the vinyl and places like that. And it's it's still I don't feel like we're really... okay. What's cool. that? Yeah, you're still playing places that want to have live bands that just don't. Want oh to yeah, have yeah. You're in a scene that still has that. Like when you know, if you go to New York and Boston, you can always find like where I am. Like I'm in the Northeast, and there's still a lot of like CBGB type clubs you know around that want to see like real bands. Um, yeah. Wait, sorry. Say that one more time. <laughs> what I was saying, like in New York City, is clubs like CBGBs, like where the Talking Heads play. It was like a, it's a famous club in New York City. The, oh, like, yeah? like indie bands played, you know, Talking Heads played there. Like a lot of you know, the Ramones played there. So those clubs are still around, you know. So there's still band, clubs that want to see that type of art. But then there's a lot of hip hop and, you know, EDM clubs that don't actually bring like live bands in. Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely two like they're two completely different parts of the industry. But I think there are spots that that uh, that do a good job of blending it. Like uh, we've been looking into play play uh, at a venue called Aisle Five down here in Atlanta, and that's a really good example of a venue that does live bands and also DJ shows. It's just kind of fit for both of them. Oh, cool! And, uh, they have integration. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen gigs where one of the bands, or yeah, like one of the one of the bands on the bill is a band. And then the next person is a DJ and like, it just, it's a pretty seamless transition. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're, they're both very different, but they have a lot of similarities and they can work together. I think our, our, our style of music can kind of fit into that genre too, just with all the, uh, the electronic influences that, that go into some of our songs. Yeah. So when you play live, do you, you have your, like, do you run like sequences off of like an Ableton live or you just play it live? Yeah, actually, our our show is more so now than than when we started, but it's it's extremely choreographed now with uh, with backing tracks, and we have a 
we have a bunch of lights that that run through a logic pro uh, a logic session and mm-hmm. uh they match the music that's playing and stuff like that that's all controlled by by noah um and ryan um ryan's got oh, a so, you're getting, so you're getting pretty professional there <laughs> yeah no it definitely took some some getting used to trying to to you know everything is on a clock now we can't just decide exactly yeah. when to play exactly when to stop um but it, it gives a lot of order to our show and it gives a lot of uh, you know like a lot of pizzazz to our show it it, it becomes more of a performance instead of just uh just music mm-hmm. and you know do you feel a little locked in when you're doing that or do you feel like you can still improvise a little bit we can definitely improvise a little bit noah has complete control over when to stop and start the music okay so just by the click of a button, he says, you know, we, hey, we need to say something right here that we didn't plan for. He can just stop the track and it'll stop moving and we can talk for as long as we want. We can say whatever we want. We can play a song in between if we wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. then he can press another button and the light show will resume or, you know, the next song that we intended to play will go on. So even though it's very like choreographed and, and down to a tick, uh, we still have a lot of control over it. And it's it's very... Uh, it's just, yeah, it's nice. It's kind of, it puts us at ease. Uh, so it lets, lets you play your track closer to like what you're recording. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds a lot more studio when we can have, um, like we have, we have a lot of ambience in the back of our tracks, just kind of sitting there. Um, not a lot of people would generally notice it just because they're not very melodic, but they mm-hmm. add a lot of, they add a lot of texture and presence to the song. Um, did I say Oh, I thought it sounded like you're saying people weren't melodic. No, 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 no. no, <laughs> the no, I, no I, I, no, I heard what you're saying. You're saying you got a, like backing track with like a lot of ambience, so you got like. But yeah, like stuff. people don't generally notice it, uh, just because there's not a whole lot going on uh, with the synthesizers and the in the ambient tracks. But if you would take them away, then it would sound yeah. a little naked. So yeah, be a little more sparse. Yeah, yeah we, some people like that kind of like dead electronic sparseness, like you know, Prince Dirty Mind or something real sparse. Yeah, you know, but, but 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 yeah, that can leave you a little open. You gotta, you, you know, when you have it kind of a lot of open space, then it makes it kind of dangerous <laughs> sometimes because then you don't have have that like there. So it's kind of it's harder to do it. Yeah, so our, our our live music sounds pretty full because of the backing track, and we we definitely like that. We definitely uh, we set out to do that pretty early on with our performances. Um, it kind so, of hits the audience, right? I mean, it gives them something where you're hitting them with like a lot of sound, like the kind of Specter, Phil Specter wall of sound kind of idea. Yeah, it's a Maybe. it's a lot of sound. There's a lot of different moving parts going on at, at points in the in the backing track that we just we wouldn't be able to replicate live. So the backing track definitely helps us. The backing track also helps um helps keep our light show in time with us. Um, Ryan, okay, so you have it all queued to your backing tracks. Then yeah, cool. we have the lights, we have our backing tracks. Everything is in a single uh, logic session um, that Ryan has a click going to his uh, his ears for. And uh, if Ryan gets off time, then the whole thing's off time. But we've got it down to a science, and uh, and we cool. it's, it's pretty rock solid now. That's awesome because um yeah I mean I've talked to other bands you know I talk well DJs can link like that too like a lot of hip hop guys can run that because they'll use like main stage or you do, they do logic or whatever they have that linkage where they can have it all tight and then you have different bands that are more like jazz oriented or something where they're just kind of kind of run like a jam band like an Almond Brothers type of band yeah they're kind of they're not going to go that way but um yeah I understand like you know what the people 
want today a lot of kids want to hear something that is similar to what they bought <laughs> or what they heard on the record and so when you also when you play it gives you a presentation like you're saying it gives you stability it gives you structure so that's cool yeah we definitely we definitely are down with it we're definitely very happy with uh with how our performance is coming and how far it's come already and where it'll go so now do you have like um some live gigs that you can tell the people listening to the podcast that are coming up yeah we uh we're, we're playing a show at the vinyl on the 27th um we're playing with a with a few bands actually um this is the first show that we'll be opening for we'll actually not be headlining for it um it's a halloween costume party where uh the headliner is a band called the two takes they're really popular locally they're really great um so if you can make it you should definitely definitely come out to that that'll be probably one of our funnest shows just because it's it's going to be so festive and there's going to be four different amazing bands playing there so we're pretty pumped for that that's pretty cool so um are you planning on joining any kind of like festival type tours going into 2020 to support your album we're definitely looking into it we've we've applied to a few and are waiting to waiting to hear back from it um the festival business is a little harder to break into than the local music scene but uh we think once our album's out and uh, we kind of have that to fall back on and that to add to our repertoire. Um, we think we'll, we'll be more of a, a band for the, you know, to try at least get in the running for it. Yeah. I think because of what you're doing with your shows, the, like the tightness of your light show and your backtrack process that would lend you to like, be able to, to get onto a, a festival pretty, you know, I think they would like dig what you're doing because you're, you're running in a professional matter. So it would probably fit. Yeah, we of a festival, you know. We like to think so too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. So, have you thought about collaborating with uh, musicians? Like you're saying that you, you your genre, you kind of cross genre. You you don't want to be pigeonholed, so you're like. So, are you up for like collaborating with like a hip hop artist or a jazz artist or a rap artist or any like, country or? Uh, um. We we've definitely talked about collaborating with with people before. Um, we've we've met people that we would we we bond musically over with. Um, I think our our music is a lot of genres, but I think if there's two genres that it's not at all, would be uh would be rap and country, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. It, that's not a style that resonates with any of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And we, we have nothing against it, but we just think if we're, if we're going to collaborate, we want it to be someone that we connect musically on a really deep uh, level with. So, so more like a, maybe a DJ or like a harder rock band or something. Yeah, like, or... like rock bands, even even some softer indie acts. Um, we've we've seen some people that we thought it'd be interested to uh, interesting to work with, but definitely st- uh, stuff that's more in our realm. Obviously, it's fun to experiment with genres that you're not super um involved in and Mm -hmm. uh we're definitely open to that but i think the best thing would be to um work with someone that we can really connect with right off the bat that's interesting yeah well it's cool because you already cross genre anyway but it's cool to know where where you want to go and you know where your boundaries are but um so what are your thoughts on like the future of music where there's a lot of producers out here today that actually don't play instruments and you guys are a band that's like still routed in the, in the kind of old school of um 
you know, actually playing musical instruments. Um, what do you think? Do you think that the trend is going back to bands like yourself or do you see more of the producer type of thing going on? Um, I think right now, um, at least on the radio charts and stuff, it's just completely dominated by producers and in um, that style of creation, that very synthetic style, you know, beats are you know beats are prominent and beats are exactly what people want at the moment um at least commercially uh i i hear a lot of people complain and say like music has lost its soul and stuff like that because of the electronic that's been added so heavily into everything um but i think there's a lot of great music out there and people if you just listen to the radio you're obviously not going to hear it but it's really yeah. not that hard to find some amazing bands. That's, I mean, even the te- the technology we have today is one of the reasons why it makes it so easy to find awesome music. And that's kind of why um, music is, uh, it's just not the way it was even back 20 years ago where you'd have these, you know, 10 elite bands that dominated everything. No one could, yeah. you know, no one could even compete with them because, the platform wasn't there for the smaller well, yeah, artists there's to a get gate. heard. There was a, yeah, there was a studio gate. Like you can't record if you can't get to Atlantic or you can't get to Columbia or you can't get to RCA, you can't get in the door. You can't even get your album out the door. Yeah. Um, but, so like that, yeah, that kind of thing is gone now. And then the price we pay sometimes might be like the, the producers that keep on producing the same style. Kind of like when I grew up, disco kind of blew itself out because you had the same guys running the same beats over and over, and it burned itself out. And then you kind of had this punk rebirth with the Clash and the Sex Pistols that kind of opened that up. And then New Wave came back, and kind of, oh, disco's back as New Wave, and then the punk's grunge came. So I've seen these different phases where like, like grunge is gone, but you could feel that that could come back. Because people, I think, with this electronic age right now i think we're probably gonna get at some point another kind of punk grunge kind of indie really hardcore stuff come back that people want that um so it's kind of like i see sick like a cycle in music where things kind of go and then they come back yeah i think we're i think the industry is kind of getting to that point um i think uh like that pop edm style and especially now more than ever um hip-hop and rap is just dominating uh, what's what's mainstream and what's popular, and that's been going on for for the better part of the twenty the twenty tens. So I think yeah. uh, I think within the next few years we'll start seeing a change. I don't know what it will be, but like you said, that's well, I think the nature very... of the industry is it'll change. Well, I've been really into like modular Eurorack synthesis, and if you check out what's going on in Berlin and in London, and you know in 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 South Korea and Japan. There's a lot of people because of the resurgence of like Moog and Profit and the Eurorack companies making these like the original electronic music is, isn't what these DJs are doing. Um, original electronic music was people like Moog 55s, like Keith Emerson or, or guys from Yes or the guys from Genesis using like, you know, Profits and Hammond organs and, you know, modular synths. And people have kind of forgotten that electronic music doesn't have to be cold. It can be like classical or jazz or really experimental. And I think we've, you know, so sometimes I think that kind of stuff is, is a kind of genre I'm in. And I see that there's a lot of 
really cool equipment that's out and it's selling really well and there's a lot of artists using it. So I think the future of electronic music is going to be more jazz and classical and kind of old school going back to yes and progressive rockers and stuff. That's what I see a lot going on in at least those areas I work in. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I definitely agree with you. And I think that you can already see certain bands kind of starting to, to pop in the mainstream that you didn't think would ever come, you know, would ever be popular even just a few years ago. Um, I think natural instruments and, and a lot like uh, guitar driven music is starting to make its way back a little bit more. I think we'll see more of that as the years go on. Yeah, I think that's kind of a little rebellion against like just uh, just running your CD, CDJ and hopping up and down. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, not that that's not fun, but I think people want to see the dynamicism that you saw with like, I would go see the Allman Brothers. I would see Greg Allman playing his Hammond B3. I would go see like the Who, or I'd see a band like Who's Could Do or the Replacements, you know, like really or REM back in the day. I, I, I saw them when they're like coming up and that was very exciting to see people that were playing this indie rock and they had this kind of punk aesthetic and it felt like these were singer songwriters that had a voice. And that's another question I always like ask is as a singer songwriter, you guys are expressing yourselves and you're not doing covers. There's a lot of bands are just cover bands. So when did you guys feel that like you had something to say, you had a unique voice and you wanted to kind of put it out there? Um, as far as like the, I mean, we, we all have a key part in the songwriting process. Um, we all write our own parts for the most part. Um, sometimes one of us will step in and be like, Hey, I like what you're doing, but I thought of this. And, uh, um, but for the most part, we all write our own parts and we all help each other write their parts. So musically, we're all 25% writing everything, producing everything together, uh, making sure that we're all down with how it's sounding. But lyrically, as far as like a, like a message goes, um, I, I handle almost all the lyrics. And uh, basically, I mean, if you want to just like, a, if you want a short answer, it's just kind of me being dramatic about my emotions. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but yeah. So a lot of your songs come from your own personal experience or you try to put yourself into like, is like an author telling a story about maybe somebody else. I actively try to avoid that. Um, I've no, I have nothing against the, that, that style of writing, but it doesn't really resonate with me if I'm not singing about something that I've gone through. Okay. So it's more like you're, you're a singer songwriter and it's relating your personal experiences through your songs. Yeah. Not like a not like a Bruce Springsteen telling the every man story or Bob Dylan telling the, like some story about some character. Yeah, no, my songs definitely are directly correlated correlated to me and, and there's there's a couple instances where um they're not exactly about me, but they're but it's still a personal experience and they're about, you know, maybe someone I love or, or some you know, one of my friends or something like that where um it's still connected to what I'm going through and, and what I'm seeing of, of a situation or something like that. Well, I think that's interesting because when you're a singer songwriter, if you, you feel comfortable about like your subject matter and you, as a songwriter, you relate to your audience because you can, you feel confident about telling that story or you found a way to use that voice and then people resonate with it. Cause everybody who listens, who reads a poem or gets 
a song, they, they interpret it and they can find something in your experience that's like universal. And I think songwriters, what the key is, is they take something that's personal and they kind of make it universal. Yeah. In some way. So you, you would agree with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I would definitely, I definitely agree with yeah, so I think that's the key because some people say, "Well, how can you just write about yourself?" But if you're a songwriter, you can check out some of the great Literally songwriters. Different. Yeah, I mean, if you're a songwriter, you could go back to like Carol King or Neil Diamond or the great songwriters back in the day. They took personal experiences and made it universal. You know, they took something that was maybe painful, or they or they make it so everybody can kind of everybody feels you know pain or they feel emotion. And if you tell a story in such a way through your song people connect to it like reading a novel you know yeah no it's definitely it's definitely a it's definitely like it comes from a, a point of view of me at least uh a lot of the songs on this album uh are, are like extremely personal and a lot of them are about me and my relationships with with people or you know whether it be a, a girl or a friend or something um i don't always i just kind of write what i'm feeling so like maybe maybe one one of the songs on our next album will have something else to say but but um this song is very much uh driven driven by how i'm feeling um and uh it's definitely kind of a story of of the past couple of years of my life because i just get inspired to write songs as i'm you know ex- experiencing life and, and living through situations so yeah yes i think every songwriter if you look at the periods of like great songwriters you know, they they go through periods where they're very confessional, telling a story like, you know, Dylan's like tangled up in blue or idiot when back in the day they were telling a story like his his his, his relationship with his wife broke up. So the whole album was about that. And it was very personal, but then he kind of made it universal. Um, you know, Springsteen would tell the story like an everyman or the kind of, you know, everyday people, uh, working people. But make it such like it's very operatic even though it's about a common blue collar person he can he could turn it into like you know like like shakespeare <laughs> yeah so, yeah so there's different things you can do at different levels and there's also like springsteen would have a piece of himself in those characters even though they were like some other character and you give him a name actually had were rooted in his personal experience um but then he kind of made them removed from himself by giving them names and stuff. But yeah, that's that's a that's definitely a plus side to doing that. Of you know when you when it's a little too like, uh, like when when you don't want to be as vulnerable, it's very easy to just kind of pass whatever you're feeling off to a fake character or something. It makes it yeah. a lot easier to to write about it if you're if you know that like, okay, yeah, I can detach myself from from what yeah. I'm writing about. But some songwriters, you know, like Carol King, was she was talking about herself a lot, you know, and it, it, it resonated, you know, on Tapestry. That whole album is like her personal experiences as a woman in the 70s, kind of becoming independent. And that album resonates because it's so truthful. And so, you know, because I think people really key in on a singer-songwriter when they feel like they're telling the truth or they're telling their, like, a real emotion. So I think they could connect with that. I mean, it leaves you vulnerable and you have to handle that um, because then your fans like are getting really into like your personal business <laughs> and you have to be able to kind of separate that is like, you know, what is me and who is, you know, who am I on stage versus like who I am in real life. And have you yeah. ever had any issues with like fans like crossing the line 
some bands you know are not big enough to run into crazy fans yet but you never know at different levels they have you ever had trouble with fans no we we haven't had any any trouble with fans we've definitely had people like we don't want at our shows (laughs) Uh, (laughs) for like you know for various reasons but like we've never had we've never been faced with like a on the spot situation where someone is you know doing weird shit or whatever but like a stalker stalking like the bigger acts they run into that sometimes like uh just because people start thinking they know you oh yeah i mean it it, honestly like at at this point right now when when people approach us we think it's really cool and we're happy to like answer questions or or... well you're in a positive place yeah Um, because some people have run into that in different situations i've actually talked to some artists where people kind of thought they 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 could you know you know they, they knew them from their characters because maybe they were, had a character that was like very like some people put create characters that are like you know bowie created all these characters prince created characters then people think that maybe they're overstepped or, or kind of crazy or they have these weird images and then people think that's the person and, and if you get like a bowie or a prince they were kind of projecting something that's beyond like normal and yeah, and people think that that's who they are. And no, they... it's it, yeah, it's it's definitely like a vehicle. Like, um, I mean, there's a lot of songs, especially like even songs that I've written. Are like, you know, you you don't necessarily, um, it's 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 a vehicle in the way that like you can write about something and and be over dramatic about it and not, you know, and not have to worry. That's one of the nice things about songwriting is like it's it's a song. So like. Yeah. You can you can sing a little harsher about your feelings than than yeah than what you, is, know, you can become yeah. you can become like your stage persona like you know Robert Plant's stage persona or Roger Daltrey or any of the great like Mick Jagger like he projects this image but he like real life he's not exactly that person yeah know? but he could be talking about all these dark things all these crazy things but you're like wow and then you know it, it, it's a it, you know it, it's a vehicle you're like an actor you know I always talk to artists and a lot of musicians will do a little stagecraft that requires some theatrics. So have you guys like thought about like theatrical aspects of your shows or, or you just kind of do it as like straight musicians? Um, our, our style is very, very raw. Um, I think, and I have no problem with, with musicians doing it or anything, but I think what works for us is just um, being ourselves. And like, I'll always as far as I can see in the future, I'm going to keep continuing to write about myself. I'm going to keep continuing to write about us and we'll all continue to write about us and, and our, you know, just who we are and stuff like that. I don't think we'll ever try and assume uh, a personality that's, that's not us and, mm-hmm. and try to be um, anything besides us. So we, yeah. that's, that's working for us right now is just being personally who we are and being genuine to, 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 you know our our natural regular selves and it's it's working so far so i think we're going to keep doing that and that's what that's what's been feeling right that's going like an authentic self type of band you know there's this alternative telling a story like indie rock you you know not projecting like a ziggy stardust (laughs) or like a freddie mercury who was like beyond like who he really was you know it was just like this stage persona so yeah i mean some of the rockers back in the day even today they're still projecting that um, you know Aerosmith and everything. You got to do these big bands, hyper bands that project this image that's not necessarily them. And that was kind of old school, or maybe 
you know, it depends. Even like a Lady Gaga, she projects a like totally different image to who she really is. Um, I think um, Tom is very like authentic when he comes to his his lyrics, and coming from someone that's not Tom that knows Tom, like. Uh, it sounded really stupid after I said it. (laughs) But, you know, someone that's not in Tom's brain, um, he doesn't sound like a crazy person. He doesn't sound like this theatrical um, superhero or anything that's not just completely... It's very very normal and his feelings are universal and relatable. And, Mm -hmm. like, I think that's... I admire that about Tom's lyrics is, like, yeah, it's coming from a very personal place, but it's also very relatable, and it's it's definitely not a, a like a theatrical thing at all. It's it's very real and coming from yeah, someone that knows Tom. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, I think it's like real Tom. Honesty. Yeah, that's interesting because like if you get into the hip hop world, everybody projects like this super kind of image, and this is kind of like the standard music today, where everybody has these like almost like a superhero in a Marvel movie or something. Um, they're not yeah. like, like beyond the more, larger than life persona totally larger than life they're like, like you know so you look at it and it, it is kind of like it, it equates to like a Freddie Mercury or you know what the rock bands would do when they have this image yeah and no I mean we're, we're definitely just like we're just we're just normal people and, and like like music is for a lot of people like part of the reason we do it is we're looking for a release too so like um, it's not about it's not you know it's it's all obviously it's about putting on the best show you can but like a lot of yeah. it is is just it's us having a great time so like you know we're not doing it for anyone but ourselves and we are we're happy to do it for everyone else but the second that it becomes not for us i think we'll stop enjoying it so we got to keep being genuine to to how who yeah. we are and how we feel well that's authentic like honest like music a musician playing kind of like a folk musician you know they they or an americana musician that plays like like the band you know the, i think band one of my favorite band they never had any kind of image you know robbie robertson and the band they were just great musicians and they told stories and they didn't have a lot of stagecraft they just went on stage and they played amazingly and i think that authentic that kind of authentic nature of like okay i'm just gonna i'm a musician i'm a band i'm gonna be i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna play and i'm gonna tell my story but i don't have to have all this overhead because um, that's you know the song is is the story yeah we we definitely we definitely try to keep that vibe and like obviously like our performance is choreographed and stuff and we got a bunch of lights and a bunch of backing tracks but um those amplify us and they don't they don't like they don't hide us they they make us um yeah it's not like it's not like the stage. other you yeah it's not the other you it just enhances the you that you're presenting it's not creating like a different image of who you are yeah, it's just enhancing what you already have. Exactly, which is cool. That's an authentic nature. You know, I think a lot of people are looking for that today. I really, I think that that music is kind of spinning back to where where you guys are going. Because I find, you know, all the people I talk to, I find on like Instagram, or Facebook, or SoundCloud, or YouTube, <clears throat> not like the top fifty or a top hundred. Um, because that's where t- I think, like you said, where the music is really happening. And I've talked to like over 30 artists in the last two years, and they're all like indie artists in these zones. Um, and they're creating really authentic, original music. And I think that's, that's why I do the show, because I think people who are doing this type of work, like yourselves, 
need to have uh, their their story told. And so I, I like I like to be able to give you a venue for that. Yeah, we we appreciate it. It's 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 been fun. Yeah, so it's like you're saying this album comes out in February. Yeah, our debut album. Um, it's called Mood Swings. Um, it, it right now we're, it's set to release on Valentine's Day. We're still working to finish it and tie up all the loose ends and stuff like that. And we'll spend the remainder of the year doing it. But uh, at the moment, uh, February fourteenth is is looking like it's going to be the release date. Is it all going to be like streaming and download, or are you going to have physical copies at all? Um, it depends how uh, depends how how big we are at the at that point. Um, we we've come a long way just in these past four months, and uh, the album is a good what five months away. So uh, we we could very much be um, well on our way, much further than than we even are right now. So I think the physical copy thing um, definitely depends on uh, as long as we just keep growing, that'll probably happen. But it'll for sure be on all major music platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that, all that stuff. I always ask bands like, like, would they make their album available as vinyl? Because it's been like a big trend now with a lot of like indie bands that if they do have a good base, that at least when they show up at their physical shows, sometimes they bring cassettes or vinyl just because it seems like that seems to work at a micro level. Like you yeah, have a small run of vinyls that your real hardcore fans will buy it. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely have a like our fan base locally is uh, extremely dedicated. So I think even if it's just a one time order um, for the vinyl, uh, we'll definitely we'll probably do a, do a vinyl copy and like even I think even we would like to have a, a a copy of of our album on vinyl. We think I think that'd be really cool. So yeah, like back in the day, like I just every album I ever bought was like you know. When I was 17, I bought Purple Rain on vinyl um, and I ran down and got it. And it's just the experience of vinyl was just as a music fan. I think some of the kids today are starting to realize that it's just it's just a more complete experience because you get to see the artwork of the band and then they had lyric sheets. And if you take advantage of the format, it kind of really pulls your fans in to your vision, which I think is really cool. Yeah, the the tangible things that you can like that you can buy and you can actually hold with your hands, um, it's definitely cool and it's definitely a plus. And we'll, we're definitely going to do it if if it warrants it. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, the part of the technology is that you don't have to do that. But I think your fans like eventually, if you get a lot of fans and they you know they kind of like to have that piece, that physical thing to hold. Um, so it's cool if you can go that way but you know it, it's all economics it's all based on what you can do and what you can't do but yeah your album will be available worldwide which gives you a reach that back in the 70s you know you didn't necessarily have that unless you had a big label yeah we've already we yeah and our like right now ocean breeze is blowing up um on, on spotify and like we've been getting streams in other countries and stuff like that so it's cool to see to see all that coming together like places we've never even thought about going to or listening to our music so it's a really cool feeling to to know that just you know people are on all around the world are listening to our stuff. Yeah, as part of what like this this um Anchor FM, we're actually part of Spotify, and you know as as a podcaster, I've seen you know my fan base grow. Like I talked to bands in the Netherlands, I talked to bands in Germany and Japan and South Africa. I'm talking to a band in South Africa in a couple of weeks. So like the reach 
of, of my podcast and, and my fan base on my podcast. I mean, I'm a musician, but I mean, my podcast probably does a little bit better than my music. Um, but, you know, you do what you can. Um, as an artist, you take advantage of where things are going. And it's, it's just interesting in this age, I've been able to talk to so many musicians. And as a musician myself, I think that's valuable. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to talk to you guys. And when your album comes out, we always like to have artists come back on the show. And we've had artists actually do like premiere shows where they actually talk about like every track on their album. We did that with um, Kendra Black and uh, Sex with Roller Coasters. Um, so if you guys are into that, we could schedule a show when your album comes out to do like a release party show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We're, we're super pumped. We're super grateful that you had us on this this podcast and we had we had a great time talking to you it's it's been really nice we're definitely down to come back and uh, especially talk about uh the track list when it's all out and and, and heard yeah that'll be great so we'll, we'll we'll get in touch with you when you guys are close to doing that and when it works for you guys um let us know and we'll we'll put that on the schedule yeah sounds awesome thanks for having us thank you thank you thank you very much for being on Vibe from Atlanta, Georgia. You guys, everybody who listens to this podcast, go and check out Vibe. They're blowing up on Spotify. Uh, listen to everything they're doing. Uh, you know, download and tell your friends. You know, if you dig the song, tell your friends. You know, because that's how you how you move things around now. Yeah. Also, f- follow our social medias. Our uh, our handle all around the board: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that is just at Vibe Band. At Vibe Band. Yeah, Vibe Band everywhere. So yep. like, if you go to Facebook, everywhere everywhere you are. Universal. Like that too. The Universal at Vibe Band. And then, cool. Thank uh, you. You'll be able to keep up with all of our adventures. So We'll put some of those links, hyperlinks on our podcast when we send them out. Sounds good. Thanks. We appreciate okay, it. Th- it's been fun. Okay, thank you. Bye. Have a good one.